I want to share with you today from, from this topic, embracing harvest disruption. Embracing harvest disruption. I've ministered here on the topic of embracing the harvest, but this is another um, dimension of this. And so can we ask God to give us personal revelation of his word today? Father, we are thankful for what we have felt. We're thankful for the lives that have already been touched. We're thankful that Chris has been born again into the kingdom. We know that you want to do more for more people today. God, you see what we do not see inside this building, but what you see goes far beyond this building. And I pray that you will just have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, and can the church shout amen? Amen. amen. God bless you as you're seated. As those of you who minister in pulpits or teach lessons know that that many times you are well convicted personally by what you're going to share before you ever share it. Also, there's times that conviction just builds and continues as you are ministering. And I know that that will be the case with me today. Early Sunday morning on September the 25th of this year, God put this word in my spirit for this church. Later that morning, I happened to be here, and I was not ministering. Uh, Brother Dan McLeod was. And the spirit was moving. He had taken the, the pulpit, and I was prompted in the spirit to make a note to add to this at whatever time I would be sharing it. And at the very moment that I was sitting where pastor is seated, because he was gone that day, I turned around, I picked up my, my note card, and I, I started writing. And at that second, Brother McLeod started talking about a conversation that he had had with pastor and pastor Andrew a few days earlier and Pastor was speaking about a revival that he feels is going to happen in 2023 that is going to disrupt everything. And God, that morning early, God had spoke the word to me, harvest disruption. And so then during that message, those of you that were here, it hasn't been that long ago, God moved in a, in a mighty way when Brother McLeod was ministering. Uh, it, was, it was quite a long, lingering, obviously anointed time of prayer. And then, do you remember Sister Tammy coming and taking the, the microphone? And she started talking about a vision that she had I don't know how long ago, long, a long time ago, to where God was going to do something that was going to just disrupt our schedules, to where we'd be having church at different times and different nights, and it's not what we have planned and, and all of these type of things. I've only experienced that one time in my life. 
It was in 2002, Mark Morgan, who ministered here earlier this year, he came and was, was ministering uh, where I was, and something broke loose, and I just, I just remember, and I can't get it straight, I asked, Kendra uh, said that it went six weeks, I asked somebody else, they said it went a little longer than that, I don't remember how long it went. All I remember is, is that we shifted our lives to necessities only, eat, sleep, work, school, all hobbies, all extracurriculars, it all went by the wayside, and we stepped into a dimension that I have never seen in my personal life since. Uh, it was weeks. People were coming. People were being healed. People were driving halfway across the United States to get there. There were, there were literally uh, busloads of people. I am not exaggerating. People were sacrificing. They were bringing prized possessions and laying them up front. And we, was, we were turning that into money and giving it to missions and and there were so many different things that happened. I long to be a part of that again in my life. I long to be a part of that again. I long to see that happen in this building. And, and it happened in this building and not even wait for that one. I believe... And I believe with all of my heart, that's what the Spirit is saying. I know that, that miracles and deliverance and healing and revival and restoration and harvest causes disruption. When we consider Acts, the 16th chapter, we see that a demon-possessed man was healed we see there was a supernatural escape, and we see that an entire household was affected and was baptized. Acts 16, 16 through 18. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And to that we say, Praise God. A person that was demon-possessed was set free. Acts 16, 25, and 26 in the same chapter, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, 
and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And we say, praise God, the prison doors were opened. There is no prison that can stay closed if our God wants it open. There's no one here today that's in a prison that has to stay in that prison. You can choose to stay in your prison, but you don't have to stay in your prison. Amen. We move to the same chapter, the 32nd through 34th verses. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. Now, let's skip those next four words and wash their stripes. Let's, let's skip that. And was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And so we love this. I definitely love this, but we need to consider the disruption that came with this harvest. The demon possessed was healed, but that caused their arrest. There was a supernatural prison break, and an entire household was baptized, but that only happened after they had been beaten placed in stocks, and had been praising God loudly in that position. So we are very thankful that the demon was cast out, but that devil-possessed woman was making some men a lot of money. And that was one deliverance that they were not impressed with at all. They needed her to stay demon-possessed. We look at Mark 5, and we see that a demoniac, a man totally out of control was healed. Verse 2, and when he was come out of the ship, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Listen to this man's life, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Picture this, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. I don't know how many people it took or how many men, but there, this, this man was such a nuisance. I guess his screaming and, and the, the torment of his life was causing him to, to scream and cry out in a way that he, he had to be bothering them for them to decide, okay, we're going to have to get a mob and we're going to have to get some chains and go tie this man down. And they had done that, but, but it didn't work because this man was operating with so much demonic power that he just plucked asunder those fetters and those, those chains and no man could tame him not this man. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus was afar off, he ran and worshiped him with, with all of that. And here's what we have to understand. He runs and worships Jesus. And at the same time, there was a loud voice coming out of him. 
And that voice was saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. We're going to have to really be discerning in this day because there is no spirit that can keep anybody from being drawn to worship Jesus. But at the same time, the level of what God is wanting to do through us and the level of deliverance that, that he's wanting people to experience in this house, we may encounter a worshiper who, is speak, who the devil is speaking through. Can we handle that? But the tormented man was, was delivered, and, and the spirits went in, asked Jesus. They knew they had to go. I mean, spirits that come in contact with, with the spirit, the greatest spirit, always has to bow. And they said, can we go? Can, can we go? Can we go? We, we, can we go to the pigs? Why Jesus said yes, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was that Jew in him that was, that, that was coming out. And, and so he's, you know, sure. And, and so 2,000 pigs are now destroyed. Well, guess what? 2,000 pigs was big business back then. Now we got some people that just lost their business. Now we got some people that are quite upset about this. You know, yeah, we're happy that the man's got his brains back, but look what you've done to our business. The business is gone. And so what was their response? Jesus, get out of here. Get, get out of here. In John 9, the blind man is healed. We see this in, in verse 6 and 7. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, speaking of Jesus, and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and he came seeing. And we say, Thanks be to God that this man that was blind can now see. But this brought glory to Jesus, and this ticked off the religious leaders. And so what the religious leaders did at that time is they started applying pressure to his family. And then they even cast the healed man out of the synagogue. They they wanted him out. We see this great miracle, but then we see what happens because the healing, the one that healed, was crossing their theology, and they hated Jesus. So anything that exalted Jesus must be marginalized. It must be pushed aside because we're, we're not going to focus on the miracles that he does. We're focusing on the fact that we are against him. And so any, anybody that, that has received something that is proving his power, then we don't want anything to do with them. And sadly, 
Some people are more comfortable with the bound and limited version of others. Some, some people are more comfortable with people being blind. Some people are more comfortable with people being lame. John 11, we go to the big one, and this was the one that, that really set it all over the line for the, the, the Pharisees, the elders, the scribes, the Sadducees against Jesus. And this is when Lazarus was raised from the dead after he had been in the grave for four days. In the grave. Not just laying out on the bed, just having passed away. Jesus, come, come and pray. He's, he's, he quit breathing 30 minutes ago. He quit breathing and, and, you know, a few minutes ago. No, 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 it wasn't that at all. It was, it was Jesus. He stinks. That's literally what they said. It's, he's, he's been in the grave for four days. We see this in John eleven forty three through 44. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. And so we get very happy about the fact that not only can Jesus heal the blind, not only can he cast out devils, not only can he do all this, now let's take it to the ultimate level. He can raise the dead. John 12, 10, and 11, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. They were already wanting to kill Jesus, but now they're wanting to kill Lazarus because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Religious leaders desired to murder the miracle. That's, that's literally what they were wanting to do. We see the miracle of Lazarus, but it's, it's bringing too much attention to Jesus. So we want to kill Jesus, and we want to kill the, the miracle that is walking around reminding us. Acts 13, the Word of God's published throughout the region of, of Antioch, and listen to this, and I could go on and on, but we're not going to stay with just uh, Bible lessons have proven this point, but this will be the last one that I'll use. Acts thirteen forty nine and 50. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. And so we totally believe that we are going to see a massive harvest in this region. We, we believe it. I believe it. I honestly believe it. But I believe what the Spirit is saying to, to give us some thinking to kind of consider all of this is that the miraculous can bring disruption. The supernatural can bring disruption. Now, I am very thankful that I believe I am among a lot of people that, that totally believe, well, then bring it on. 
Well, bring it on. Do, do you think we're going to slack back be, because that, that there are going to be people that, that see the, a level of connection with Jesus Christ and expect and experience his supernatural and the change? Is it going to make everybody happy? No. It's not going to make everybody happy. Is it going to disrupt some things? Yes, it's going to disrupt some things. But what are we going to do? We're going to stay focused on seeing who's the next one that needs to be delivered and who's the next one that needs to be healed. And then we're going to treat all of the disruption the way Jesus treated it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to embrace... Harvest disruption. It's time for us now to start thinking how we're going to stand with those whose world literally gets turned upside down by Jesus. There, there are going to be people that, that are going to be put out of their homes because of what we teach and what we preach and what we believe. It's going to happen. I've already connected with people through the years. We we already had to deal with helping people find uh, other homes to stay in and take care of people because when they came to Jesus and they realized Jesus is God, when they realized I must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and not the titles about him. I'm not throwing off on any other religion. We do not do that here, but we do take the whole of scripture. And there are many people, I, whenever I was a youth pastor, I literally had somebody, a parent tell me, I would rather my kids be drinking and having sex than being Pentecostal. I have heard crazy things like that. I understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about harvest disruption. But I also understand that whenever people start getting marginalized, whenever people start getting pushed away from their friend group, guess what? There's a lot of people here that's going to be their friend. Yes, yes, we are. We're going to embrace harvest disruption. That's what we're going to do, and we're going to do it in love. And I know in the last few years, I'm one of the ministers that God led here. Well, guess what's going to happen? There are going to be other ministers that are going to be led here. And do you know why they're going to be led here? They're going to be led here because their congregations fired them. That's why they're going to be led here. They're going to be led here because the revelation that they are receiving might not be received in the church. So what are we going to do? We're going to open up our arms. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to embrace harvest disruption. That's what we're going to do. How willing are we to get involved? God will use us according to our willingness to be inconvenienced. God will use every one of us according to our willingness to be inconvenienced. I will add that God will first of all work in us 
but it's not just to work in us, but it's to work through us. Do you know how much God will work in me? as much as I will allow him to work in me. Do you know how much God will work through me and through you? Just as much as we will allow God to work through us. But God will use us according to our willingness to be inconvenienced. We have to step up to this. I told you a while back, I think I've said it a few times, that I've changed the scorecard. I'm so thankful that I was able to minister today. I love to preach inside churches, but I have changed the scorecard now. I I will not consider my day a success because I have ministered inside this building. I give myself now, and, and there is no B on, on for me. You can do it however you want to, but I don't do it with a B, C, or a D. At the end of a day now, I'm looking, did you get an A or did you get an F? And what I'm judging it on personally is did I connect with anybody about the king, the kingdom, kingdom entry, or kingdom life off of this campus? I'm just telling you what I'm doing right now. And in the last couple of weeks, I've had two A's and three F's on opportunities that I've had, opportunities where God opened it up and I knew, okay, there's supposed to be a connection here. There, there's been two that I got A's. There's been three that, that I did not get an A. I failed. I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. I'm working on my, my grade point average in this business about what God wants to do, not just in me, in me, in me, in me. We can stay in a point to where it's so far focus about change me, change me, change me. And at some point, I think God's looking down at me and say, you've already been changed enough. Go do something. Do something. It's, it's not about just change me. Let me feel your presence again. Give me a word. I'm, I'm, hey, you can take this for you if you want it for you. I'm just talking about how the Spirit's been talking to me. The Spirit has been telling me, I've already given you enough revelation. I've already given you enough. You've been blessed more than, than billions of people in the world. And so do something with it. Do something with it. It's uncanny to me how the working of the Spirit rarely ever works on our schedule. In the Old Testament, God's children were led by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. I've studied that. I may have missed it, but I have not found yet where there was a sound from heaven that said, cloud moving in 24. Cloud moving in 36. No. They literally lived ready to move. When the cloud moved, they moved. They lived positioned to advance. They couldn't have a lot weighing them down. They had to be ready to move. And I repeat what I've shared from this pulpit a couple of times, but it bears repeating today. 
I read that book, The Insanity of God. I was moved by it. It shared story after story of those persecuted, many killed for their faith, and I was pretty shaken up after I read it. And so I was praying one day after I read the book, and I honest, honestly, I, this was an honest question to God. And my honest question to God was, was God, could I handle persecution? And so help me, the Spirit spoke to me as clear as the Spirit has spoken to me on anything in my life and said this, persecution, you can't even handle interruption. I was like, okay, I'll work on that. Like now, I, I will, will work on that. And so every one of us today that's a part of this great body with many prophecies, visions, words, and I'm so thankful, we all have a decision to make on what we're going to do with disruption are we going to embrace it or resist it? It starts personal. It, it absolutely does. Harvest disruption first disrupts our thinking and then our personal schedule. I'll tell you what disruption is going to do if we embrace it and we allow it. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of get messy with our fellowship and friend schedules and connections. It, it's, it's going to. I'm, I'm not saying that you cut your friends off. I don't mean you don't ever get with, with your friends and, and have that. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you, you're probably not going to be able to connect as much as you're used to. Uh, we're we're going to have to embrace this to a level that, that some of our real good friends, and it's okay. We, we all have people that we're connected with. We love that. I mean, in the Bible, in Acts 2, it talks about doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship is huge. I totally get that. But we're really going to have to mature in our relationships and people that we're used to just always being with. Uh, we're going to have to understand if they're with somebody else every now and then, that, that, is, that is embracing harvest disruption. It's, it's going to disrupt ministry structures and systems at New Life. Growth forces change. It, it's it's going to affect it. Well, what is it going to look at? What's it, what's it going to look like? Why does it matter? It's, it's going to, to affect and disrupt positions, and it's going to disrupt schedules because, because harvest on the level that we're believing for, will change both when we meet and how we meet. It will. See, when, when we're talking about harvest to the level that we're talking, it, talking about, then we've, we've just got to give pastor a blank slate. Just a blank one. Don't, don't even worry. I mean... You have to make a decision, make the decision. Don't, uh, if, if, we have to, if we have to change this, change it. You call something on the spur of the moment, call it. Well, I, you know, I think now that this ought to operate like that. Uh, people that are focused on the cloud, they, 
they really don't care about all this little how all this fits together. We've, we've got a very organized church here. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful things that's happened. There's a lot that goes into this. But I think the majority of the people here are saying, Pastor, flip it upside down if you have to flip it upside down. Because we're interested in the harvest. The harvest. That's what we're interested in. I believe there's a group of people here, and I believe that that group is growing, and it is uh, getting larger, that is developing this basic question as a filter for our lives. Will it expand the kingdom? That if we get a yes, then let's do it. Will it reach another soul? Then if we can get a yes, then let's do it. Will it equip somebody a little bit better? Then let's do it. Do do you think it was convenient for for our leaders to at the same time change the, the pastoral ministry structure of this church, build a new building, and start a school? Are you kidding me? Any consultant would have told them, you are nuts. Do you know why? We've done this. Do you know why they've jumped off on this? Because they felt that the cloud was saying, do it. Will it expand the kingdom? Then it's yes. Will it, e- will it equip the younger generation? Then it's yes. Those are the questions. It's not, will it make me happy? Will it make you happy? Will it make the board happy? Will it make this one? No, no, no. Those are not even the questions. Who cares what will make me happy? Will it expand the kingdom? Then it's yes. Will it reach another soul? Then it's yes. Will it equip somebody better? Yes. Will it deploy Will it deploy somebody? Then the answer is yes, because new life is about expanding the kingdom, and we will not be tied down to the human fleshly junk of personal preference. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just saying we got to realize what we're a part of. We got to realize what God has allowed to come together. We got to realize what God put into these two people 23 years ago. You guys got to realize what you're able to live in and understand. And you're right. You are exactly right. Our missionaries talking about what happens here going global. And you haven't seen nothing yet. We will embrace harvest disruption. talking to, came by Sister Coffee this morning, I said, help, help me out a little bit about understanding harvest. And so she gave me a quick school, and basically they're involved in harvest year-round, but they just came out of a six-week intensive season. Now they'll be doing a lot of hauling and all, but man, 
I've heard I've heard stories about her meeting them in the field and feeding them on tractors and and you sleeping on the floor of combines and all that all that stuff. Do you do you know what they do in the natural? They embrace harvest disruption. There there's seasons that is going to come to us. And in those, no, they, they don't stay sleeping in combines and her bringing food 52 weeks a year. That's not possible. But everything they do the entire year is focused on the harvest. And then there are seasons where it's intensive. And so what the Spirit is saying to us clearly is everything that we do 52 weeks a year has to be focused on the harvest. It has to be focused on the harvest. And then there will be times when the cloud will move in a certain way and it'll be time for an intensive. And then it's time that college football doesn't matter and NFL football doesn't matter and our hobbies don't matter and fishing doesn't matter and hunting doesn't matter. Nothing matters in the intensive except what is a necessity and then what God is doing in this house. That is what the Spirit of God is saying. And every member of New Life who is serious about embracing the disruption of the harvest, we need to dissect the story in the Bible about the 11th hour harvest to where the owner of the field went out early in the morning. Will you come and work? Yes, I will work. Uh, let's make an agreement here. I, I, we're going to agree for a penny. A few hours later, he realizes, for the coffee, realizes, I'm never going to get this harvest in. I've got to have more people. And so he goes back, and, and where they're gathered, are you working? No, I'm not working. Well, come, work with me. We have a harvest. It has to be brought in. Will you agree? Will you agree? Yes, we ask for a penny. And a few hours later, the same thing. And a few hours later, the same thing. All the way up to the 11th hour. They got the harvest in. And then he started paying the people, and he, and he, he started with the ones that, that came last. And he gave them a penny then penny and, and a penny and well, we had a problem down here with the people that had that had borne the heat of the day we we have a problem here with the people who had been there the whole time and it's like the owner said didn't you agree is there a problem here what what is this saying to us in 2022 I'll tell you what it's saying to me, and I'm going to embrace this. God has allowed this season where I've been able to be a help voice for pastor. 
If the season changes and I need to work that door as an usher and there's another voice that needs to come in for a season and take the slots that I have been preaching, I want to tell you where you're going to see my smiling face back at the back door being an usher. Because the 11th hour harvest is not about seniority. It's about the harvest. It's not about position. It's about the harvest. I'm hurrying to a close, but you've got to hear this. I just came from three days in St. Louis I was asked to speak at Global Connections. Um, It started Thursday night. And Kendra has been a part of this for a few years. I had never never been there. And so I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew what word God gave me for Thursday night to start it off with. And so I went and I preached. and, And then instead of just coming home, I really felt the Spirit saying, now just stay the whole time. And so I just stayed. I just hung out, talked to missionaries and all. And Global Connections, um, it happens every two years. And I've I never been a part of it. I hope to not miss one now. If I'm asked to minister or not, I just, I just hope to be able to be there. Because what it is, it's anybody interested in missions, but it's like uh, they're not saying... You know, the only way you can be used by God is to go overseas or go on a trip. That's not, that's not it. There was a huge focus with be used where you are right now, right now. Be used. And then if God leads, then, then you know, it's all explained. When I tell you that I, I went back in my mind, I went back in my mind to some times when I was able to attend conferences or because of the times or be a part of things that absolutely rocked my world and changed my life, I would have to put the last three days with any of them. Any of them. We had, I was counting them, Kendra, I could be off. I counted six to seven major breakout prayer sweeps. I mean, I've been in conferences and conventions that if you just had one, like we had six or seven since Thursday night, we would have considered it a a success. We had three tongues and interpretations at different times. There was one time Kendra was supposed to come up and be giving out giveaways and, and the Spirit of God, before she had a chance to even say anything, hit the place again. Everybody went to, to, the, to their knees uh, all over the place. The gifts of the Spirit were operating. When I tell you the power of God, I'm telling you the power of God. And I've been, I have been blessed and privileged to be in a lot of major services. And it just stuck in my mind. It just, it just kept sticking in my mind. And I woke up early this morning, and it hit me. Here's the reason why. There was that level of a visitation. There was about, what, 300? I don't know. Two, two, there was 500? Well, at least I don't exaggerate. People 
in a sanctuary and the whole theme, the whole reason why they came is because they are embracing harvest disruption. That's, that's what I realized today. That was the difference maker. It was, it was people inside the room that was saying, God, use me. God, use me. What? Where, where, where do you want me? Yes, home. Yeah, but what do you want of my life? And that was the key that hit me this morning was when people embrace harvest disruption, people go to another level because the Spirit of God, the supernatural power of God comes into a dimension that I personally don't believe that anything else attracts. It's that level of sacrifice. So what does that look like at, at new life? It looks like pursuing spiritual health, emotional health, financial health, while keeping an eye on the cloud. That's what it looks like. It, it looks like living cloud-focused and not self-focused. It, it looks like being ordered for disruption. When, when we embrace disruption, then we will be released on a new level. And I promise you today that, that those of you that are in this sanctuary and have never been born again... I want to start with you. If you've never given your heart to God, if you've never been baptized where the baptizer said, in Jesus' name, yes, it matters. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost to where you spoke another language, you need to allow disruption in your thinking right now. Is this a Pentecostal thing? No. Is this a New Life membership thing? No. Is this a kingdom thing? Yes. It is being born into the kingdom of God. And please hear me when I say, not far from the kingdom is still out. Being close to the kingdom is still out of the kingdom. And so please allow disruption in your thinking. And then those of us who have been born again, it is time for us to embrace disruption on a new level. Yes, it is. I can tell you one thing. Chris will be eternally thankful Mike Reitzel has lived a life embracing harvest disruption. And when Mike Reisel stood right up here and said, there are so many more Chris's out in this entire area, 
the truth of the matter is, if we would focus on embracing harvest disruption and we would keep our eye on the cloud, it's no telling what next Sunday morning here would look like. It's no telling. It's no telling. But I know this, as we stand together right now, it's time to commit to a level of disruption like we never have before in our lives. It's time. It's time to commit to a level of harvest disruption like we never have before. And I promise you, the man that's been standing up here hollering at you for a while is trying his best right now in this stage of my life to get it right, to get it better than I have ever had it right in my life. I have a hunger in my heart to get it right. I have a hunger in my heart to be used by God. I want to be used by God. I want the cloud to guide me. I want the cloud. I want to see deliverance outside of this building. I want to pray people through to the Holy Ghost outside of this building. I want to bring people myself and baptize them here or in their swimming pools or wherever it is. I'm going to embrace harvest disruption to a level that I never have in my life. And I'm opening the altar right now for do you need to be born again to get into this or do you want to commit to a level of harvest disruption like you never have in your life? Step out. Step out and come to the front. Step out. Don't don't be fearful. Don't be fearful, because I promise you, whenever God sees that you are giving yourself to that level of disruption, you're going to have an anointing and a power like you have never experienced in your life. I promise you, as we lean in to harvest disruption, there are going to be things we're dealing with in our life right now that are going to vanish away. There are going to be battles that we're dealing with in our head right now that's going to vanish away. There's going to be a level of anointing that's going to flow through our lives. We're going to have, like the king said, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. You embrace harvest disruption and you can expect the power of God to operate through your life like you have never experienced before. Can we seek him? Can we seek him right now? Those of you standing in the chairs, if you don't mind, would you just close your eyes and stretch your hand toward these people who, who have walked forward? Embrace it. Let God start talking to you right now about your schedule. Let, let God start talking to you right now about individuals in your world. Embrace, embrace it. Embrace disruption. <laughs>